Welcome, everyone. We have a very special opportunity to have Monique de Mayo back on our podcast. And if you caught the first episode, if you haven't, you need to. It's all about the importance of content, the strategic importance of how you create content, what kind of content you need, and why it is a linchpin to the success of an organization, whether you're a startup, a mid-market, or enterprise. The part two that Monique is going to talk about today, and Monique has been, she's the founder and the CMO of On Demand CMO for 25 years, worked with B2B companies. So Monique has a few point of views on, on this uh, whole subject matter that I think we're going to want to hear. Monique, maybe uh, just refresh us a little bit about who you are and your background, and sure. then let's get right into what you think about what's important that companies, B2B companies need to know to leverage the content that they create. Perfect. So thank you, Steve. Pleasure being here again. It's a lovely, lovely to be asked back. And um, so I've been in marketing for more years than I care to remember, because obviously on-demand CMO is 25 years old, so everyone can do the math. And we've been playing in the B2B space for, for that long. Uh, we specialize in what I'll say brands that are complicated to sell or to buy. So that means tech services, technology, tech, tech services, professional, professional services, um, financial services, things like that. It's, they're complicated. They're not, we don't do CPG. You know, we don't, we're not interested in doing toothpaste and lipstick, even though I love toothpaste and lipstick, that's not my jam. <laughs> um, so <laughs> content from the perspective of a, of a, either a regulated industry or an industry that is, you know, difficult or has a, a different kind of sales cycle, a long sales, long tail sales cycle. Um, we work with, typically we work with large mid-market uh, companies. Usually they're privately held unless they want it. And, and some of them come to us to prepare themselves to be sold or acquired. And that works out really, really well for them because we leverage content strategies for that um, or strategies of content, sorry, to be clear. Um, and then the enterprise clients that we that we support on a day to day basis or use us for our content strategy. Uh, Fantastic strength. Well, so. so here's the key question, right? We we all want to believe that the buyer's journey is very very simple, very linear. It's a funnel. It goes down like this, and. So it's easy to understand. It's easy to create content for if you just put the plan together. But you've got a little different point of view on that. Yeah, I, I think that if, um, you know, that's actually some of the challenge that we have with some of our clients. We have to educate them a little bit that the buyer's journey is no longer as linear as we'd like to believe or that their automation systems have them use. So, you know, whether you're doing Eloqua, Marketo, Salesforce, any of these uh, SaaSes, SaaS is also another specialty of ours, um, but the SaaS world kind of puts you in a bucket. And the buckets, I think, are having a challenge in staying up to date. So let me share my screen real quick and share with you. Can you see my purchase funnel? Yes, we can. And Perfect. for those that are uh, listening on audio, you're showing the very traditional funnel of awareness, familiarity, consideration, purchase, and loyalty. It starts big at the Correct. top, gets small at right. the bottom. Yep. Right. So in the old, not I mean, old days, I'm talking even five years ago, 
seven years ago, you had um, automation systems that were built around these stages, stage gate process. And they, they sound really good on paper when you buy the SaaS prod product, but in reality, um, this is not exactly as linear as people are buying these days, especially not B2B. Remember the statistic that somewhere, to, depending on the, the statistic that you believe, somewhere between 60 and 70% of your B2B buyers have already done extensive research online before you even walk through the door for a sales call. So you're already half either in the bag or out of the bag, <laughs> depending on where you sit and how, and, and how much you have to ask this prospect what they've done, what they've seen. So that's the traditional purchase funnel. Typically, you know, again, we were taught as marketers that you know, blog posts and press releases and education emails and case studies and articles are so good in the early stages. And then you have webinars and executive guides and videos. And then as you get further down the research consideration, you're gonna do white papers and tech journals and research and reports and books. Well, this is today's purchase funnel. What I'm showing people who are listening and not watching is that awareness, evaluation, intention, and purchase has a circuitous, nonlinear uh, path that could start from an email, that could start from a blog, that could start from a webinar, go into organic search, can go to referrals, can go to um, you know, looking at your competitors, could go to a sales meeting or whatever, and then back again. So the point is you don't know at any particular moment in time, where your buyer is unless you're really prescriptive about asking the questions and catching them where they are. So which means it's almost like throwing spaghetti against the wall because you have no idea whether the person who is reading your blog intention stage, evaluation stage, or they're ready to pull the trigger because they love all of your blog content and they think you're the smartest thing since sliced bread and they're going to buy from you no matter what. You have no clue. And so I'm here to tell you that you need to be ready to catch that buyer in every stage. What does that mean? Well, you've got to put control into the hands of the prospect. You can't control their buyer's journey because you're out of, this is out of control. So don't even attempt to think that they're going to read your first email and then move on to your second email drip campaign to then go to your banner ad and click through and then download your white paper and then come back and see your third banner ad. And then they're going to love your fourth email blast. It's not going to happen like that. <laughs> you might see that in your marketing plan and you've developed it, but the reality is they've already checked out your, your competitor's website. They've downloaded your competitor's white paper. They've looked at your competitor's blog. They have decided whether or not you guys have something interesting to say. They will have judged you up one side, down the other based on your content and where they find it. And to, to so, accentuate a point is all that happens before they actually get a chance or before they even want to talk to you, like have a sales call. Right. So the, the you know, the prospecting call. And the, so I think I can, for those of you who want to see this, this is up for a second. I'm going to stop sharing now. But the reality is what, what this basically boils down to is that your buyer's journey is nonlinear and you have to be prepared to give them the kind of content that they want. Now, we all know about avatars and we know about, you know, what is my customer avatar and what's my persona? And oh boy, oh boy, that's so exciting. Except, do you have a handle on? whether that IT director 
is a logical oriented person, maybe they are, and maybe they're more emotional that day. And maybe they've already read 14 white papers. So what you have to get them with is some snackable content. Do you have any idea? No, we don't. Okay. So that means that you have to do it all. So that's why I rated content on a scale of one to 10, a 10. So what that feels like to me is it feels overwhelming. Totally. It feels like I have no idea then when my content's being produced, how do I try to, you know, cascade somebody through my content in order to make a decision. You've kind of thrown up in the air everything that I used to know. So how do we try to then leverage that content right. in, a, in a plan, right? Yeah. So, so there's a, there's a, a lot of different, um, strategies that we can employ, but but several of them are, you have your owned and your earned, you know, channels, and obviously you need to leverage both. What I mean by owned is you know your website and your blog; those are owned. Earned channels is whatever what happens outside of your four walls from your company, and it's important to have other people other than you say nice things about you. So obviously there's a place for PR, and we will we'll deploy a PR um, component if needed, as needed. Um, we prefer to lead with marketing and content development and just really being smart in the right places at the right times. Um, so you have to leverage things like content syndication. You have to leverage third party, um, third parties to have either and or implied endorsements, but also that they are showing up when they're not looking for you, that you show up elsewhere. Some of the things we've done for clients which work really well is to buy URLs, which are comparative URLs. This is free advice, people, by the way, and this is, would cost you a lot of money if you hired me. Um, <laughs> to um, you, buy, you buy a URL that solves a problem for one of your avatar, your client types, and you create content that is completely generic, obviously with an angle on your, your competitive advantages, that allows people to find the keywords that you know they're looking for to solve the problem you know they have and you're the answer to it. So that, that leads to a really interesting question. And that is um, that most websites today or the URLs that you're talking about buying, they're, they're not structured in the way that B2B buyers want to consume content that's because right. of that buyer journey that you just showed us you have no idea what they're needing at what time but the website and these urls you're talking about need to be a self-service in terms of they need to be able to easily find what they're looking for that's and, right and so therefore just simple things like how do i find the industry that I'm looking for content? How do I find if I'm a CEO versus a CMO versus a CIO, where's the information for me? You know, where are the pain points that I have, the problems that I have? Those things get hidden, right? Not intentionally, but yes. just because we don't have a plan for it. So would you agree that's a, in that world of the buyer's journey that goes like this now, that making your content super discoverable, not only with the keywords, but on those URLs, on the website, is something that's incredibly important? 
Yeah. I mean, I don't, we never, we will never do a, um, a website without SEO just built into it. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we'll do, and I don't, I, this is, you know, just tell me if you want to see it or not, but we'll create assessments that are free assessments, but gated for our clients, clients to go to and get a, a, a sense of where they are relative to their peer group. So we created one for Iron Mountain where there's a, a thing for SciTad and SciTad is secure IT asset disposition, right? So you wanna get rid of your old equipment. It's, it has to be done securely. There has to be governance around it. There has to be uh, proof of, of structural, uh, uh, when they when they destruct something, the destructibility has to be uh, authenticated. You have to be confident that these things are done properly because uh, an investment banking firm who will remain nameless was fined several million dollars because somehow a pallet of computers from their organization went missing and they had nowhere they had no way to know until it was found. That's a problem. So Iron Mountain said, okay, well we want to also. I said, well, they needed to solve a problem. They need more leads, but at the same time, they need more qualified leads. And I said, well, if you wanted more qualified needs, you need to know more about the customer. So if you can ask this, this, this assessment tool, which we developed, it was a digital assessment tool. They go online, they put in their answers. Now I know who they are, what they do, what's concerning them, where they're at in their, in their buyer's journey. And oh, by the way, at the end of their assessment, which took them all of somewhere between three and six minutes, they get a report. Thank you, Steve, for you, you know, coming to this assessment, your score is a big fat 35. You have a lot that you might want to consider based on your peer group. You're doing better than others here, but not so good here. And the industry standard is this and all, come, all comes new research and mm. all these data points. And now all of a sudden I've provided so much value. You want to talk to me, don't you? Yes. Yes. There you go. Be smart. Don't go out there with nonsense and noise. Go out there and educate. Go out there, give them value for engagement. That assessment found its way into the marketplace through a variety of channels. Third-party syndication. It was in newsletters. It was in their blog. It was in partner channel. It was in on LinkedIn. It was it was everywhere because I don't know where you're going to come in. I just want to catch you. So what you did is you gave them data they did not have. Exactly. Right? You gave them reference points they did not have. Correct. And this is a massive opportunity for every B2B company, specifically SaaS companies. We are all digital companies now. We yeah. all have digital assets and information. and usually information across our client base, where exactly. our clients have this much information. Exactly. Their business. Right? right. Do you want to see this? Watch. I'll show you. I'll share you. It's, it's, it's actually, so this can be deployed as a, as a marketing lesson for all of us in a sense, because what is your ICAD score? I come here and I want to know where I'm at. Now the URL is Iron Mountain ITAD best practices IQ.com. Great. It's on, it's on my server. Okay. So and we'll um, link to it in this podcast. For those of you who are listening on audio, we'll provide a link to this page here. Um, so this great. So this, you know, you, you answer the question, how many countries are you in? So if you answer these two, this takes you down a funnel that's for an SMB customer. 
I already have those segregated into their sales force in a different manner. But if you answer 16 plus, I know your enterprise. Terrific. So that goes to the enterprise team and the lead. How many total locations do you have? Okay, so you're going to have 10 to 15 countries and I have 16 plus locations. I go in and basically I answer this, this thing, which is about 10, 12 questions. And I know from how you answer what my salesperson needs to tell you. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Right? I don't know. Now, here is the pop-up of the, the research. So 50% of them, you know, should know or do know. 33% of them indicate that it's decentralized. This is a problem, decentralization. So as they're answering the questions, yes. you're giving the industry. Correct. What, so they're learning as they actually take the surveys. Correct. And then when they get their report, all of this industry data that comes from IDG and Forrester and Gartner and other sources and primary research and their own research is coming to them as value add. This is brilliant. Right? So yep. now you're, you're going through this and you're like, okay, what do I do? I don't know. Well, this is what, this is what I do. How about you, Mr. You know, well, many organizations are still struggling with secure disposition and look at the data. So now I don't feel so bad that I'm in this spot, but I know that I got to do something about it. And so now if you're talking about, now you're asking me my objectives. Well, I've got, I've got IDG, I've got ESG goals. I've got in compliance problems. I need to have accountability and transparency and I need security. Well, sounds like that's pretty much what my peers are doing, working on too. So at the end of it, long story short, I'll just make this really simple. You have some sort of report and then, oh my God, really? 446 million records were exposed, 1,244 data breaches were done. Oh my goodness. So this is the kind of thing where you're providing value and you're getting a score, you get a report and whatever. So there you go. Now, now I've got to fill in the form because if I want my score, I need to give you that. And now so, I've got a CAPTCHA and now I can submit and there you are. Which many things are brilliant about this, but what's what I think is most brilliant about this is you're collecting information that sales needs to know in right. order to properly identify the problems and the needs of the customer, but you're mm -hmm. doing it in a way that's educating that customer mm -hmm. at the same time and positioning Correct. you as the company, as the right. expert and the authority. Did I get that right? You got it. Yeah. And so, you know, you, so we wrote a white paper to support that we wrote, you know, you got to support it. You got to create an ecosystem around you, you know, your education of that marketplace, because if you want to be a thought leader, you don't know how, how, where I'm going to consume that, but you better have it ready for me. So I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked at the end of our first episode that we did together. And that question was this, if you could sum up for us here, you know, like we're having a glass of wine and I'm saying, okay, I need, I need higher quality content that educates, that positions me as an expert, that leverages the data that I have, you know, what is it should be my takeaway from this? What's the most important thing from this episode that I should be remembering? Okay. So a couple things. One is that your buyer's journey is not linear anymore. So you can't predict how and where and what assets they're going to be consuming in what order. That's no longer relevant. 
what you need to understand is the, the complexity and the, the consistency of your message and your value proposition, your key attribute, attributional messaging has to be consistent in all, in all of what you put out. Don't sound one way, approachable, funny and cute and whatever, whimsical in one asset and then serious corporate and whatever in another. You're, you want to have a consistent persona, personality, if you will, a DNA that you have. Um, the brand needs to be consistent. You want to add value in advance. Don't ask me to register for something when I don't even know that I want to engage with you and, and, be, and, and be authentic. You can't slap a white paper label on a brochure. So if you want it to be about you, you've missed the boat. The whole point about creating really smart and relevant content is it has to be 80% about your customer or client and 20 or so percent about you. Don't reverse the order. Make it about them, not you. Nobody, care, nobody cares about us. We have to solve problems as solution providers. So make it about solving that solution, uh, solving that problem in your solution set, whether that's in person or online, you have to make that consistently. And when you're creating content, make it in all shapes and sizes so that you don't predict incorrectly how your prospect wants to consume it and in what format they want to consume it. And that's what I would say. That would be my, those takeaways. But when you say one follow-up question, that is, you say, make it 80% about them, 20% mm -hmm. about you, mm -hmm. right? Make it about them. Most B2B buyers make decisions based on the risk factors for the company, but for them as well, right? It's their yes. careers, like the yes. old adage, right? Oh, yeah. Why did you buy IBM, right? It's, yeah. You know. totally. So, and in fact, it's uh, another study showed that 56% of the buying decision is an, is an emotionally based decision. Totally. So when, when you talk about it's 80% about them, it's value add content. How much of that content is geared towards helping them reduce the risk of buying with you? Yeah, that's it. So remember that th it's like this personal and professional is now interwoven in a way that's never been before. Why? Because I'm not only concerned about protecting my, I'm the buyer now. Okay. I'm not only concerned about buying and reducing risk for my company, I'm buying to reduce risk for myself. So I don't get canned in three months because I made the wrong decision or I deployed the wrong technology or any of the above. So I'm going to speak to you in ways that both touch you emotionally and intellectually. I'm going to get it a rational nod and I'm going to get an emotional nod because you have trust that my technology and my people together will protect you and your brand. Fantastic. I, I you know, Again, I feel like we could go on for hours here, Monique, but I think these were the words of wisdom that we want to leave everybody with. And if, uh, if they want to get a hold of you, what's the best place to do that? Find you on LinkedIn or? Certainly you can find me on LinkedIn. I think it's easy. OnDemandCMO.com is our website, but I think it's really super simple. Monique, M-O-N-I-Q-U-E at OnDemandCMO.com. And that's my email. So LinkedIn website my email. I'm pretty findable. All right. Well, thank you very much for sharing all of this, uh, the wisdom that you've had and the success you've had. That's going to make a big difference for a lot of folks here. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. It was great being on.